Hi, this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. So this week, we begin the book of Shmot with Parsha Shmot, which frankly has so much going on in it that I desperately wish we it was more than one Parsha so that we could devote more time to talking about all of the absolutely incredible things that happen in it. This year, I wanted to focus on just the eighth Pasuk in the entire Parsha and in the entire book of Shmot. The Vayakam Mel Chadash al Mitzrayim Asher Lo Yada Yosef. A new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Now, first, for some context, the book of Shmot is called Shmot. We call it Exodus in English, but its Hebrew name is Shemot, which means names. The book opens with, these are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt. And then it lists, lists the names. Um, explains how many people were with Yaakov when they all came down to Egypt. And then in verse 6, Vayamat Yosef v'chol echav v'chol hador hahu. Yosef died and all his brothers and all that generation. Then verse 7, Uvnei Yisrael paru v'yishratzu v'yirbu v'yatzmu b'mod me'od v'timalei ha'aretz otam. But the Israelites were fertile and prolific. They multiplied and increased very greatly so that the land was filled with them. So now, you read the first seven psukim of this sefer, of this book, and so far, it seems like things are going great. Things are going great towards the end of Sefer Bereshit. Yes, Yaakov has died, but they're all, you know, still living there. They're living in harmony. They're living in Goshen. They're doing well. Paro's taking care of them, etc. So now here we read, that generation died. But they're still there. And not only are they there, they're doing great. They're growing. They're, you know, multiplying. Like, it seems that is the fulfillment of the brachas of Bereshit. Great. Excellent. But then, verse 8, we get our verse that is the turning point of the whole sefer, of the whole story. A new king arose over Egypt who did not know Yosef. And then the next pasuk, he says, look, these people are too, too many of them and they're too strong for us. And so then he says, let's basically enslave them so that they don't try to rise up against us and go to war with us. Of course, beginning the onset of the slavery that is going to bring our nation down to desperately low places before we can be redeemed. So what's going on? with this verse, it's absolutely the turning point. And so what does it represent? I wanted to look into that in more detail this year, just this one verse. Now, if you click on Rashi, click, I say click on, that's because it's the 21st century and I use Safari. Um, but if you look at Rashi, Rashi quotes a Gemara from Sanhedrin 11a. Rav u Shmuel. So there's a disagreement between Rav and Shmuel. So one said, Chadash means literally a new king. And the other said, no, same king. It's just that his zerot, his decrees were renewed. They changed. They were became different than the, what they were before. And the explanation for this is noting that the language of Vayakamel Chadash is actually strange language. We were just told that Yosef and his brothers in the entire generation have died. So you would think that Vayaka Mel Chadash, a new king arose over Egypt, instead it should say, Vayamat Paro, right? The old king died. 
And then we got, they got a new king, right? But instead, Vayakam, he was established, he arose, and a new king without referencing the death of the previous king. And actually that leads, um, I think it's the Ibn Ezra to suggest that this was actually an outside takeover that's also discussed in the Shadal, that there was what happened here was actually a political back and forth within Egypt. And that one group had been reigning in the position of Paro, and then another one came in and outseated them. And that's why you have the word Vayakam that arose or sort of was established instead of just the guy died and a new one came in. So that's Rav and Shmuel. Now, this is actually, if you think about it, a fascinating statement. Now, we don't know which, who said what, which one Rob said and which one Shmuel said. The opinion that Hadash Mamash actually contextually makes a lot of sense, that it was literally a new king. Why? Because we're just told in the previous statement that Yosef Ono's brothers, that entire generation has died. So we would assume that that's true of Egypt also right? That all the Egyptians died. So now there's a new Paro, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The way that the it's described sort of implies the passage of time. And so this actually really forces us to stop and question what on earth is going on with either Rav or Shmuel, who thinks that that it was just that his decrees became transformed, that it did, wasn't necessarily a new king. It was just a king who had a new agenda, who transformed how he thought and now was going to go after the Jews, the Israelites, instead of supporting them. So what, how could, what's going on with that opinion? It's actually incredibly bizarre in light of the fact that, as we said, everyone else has died. I mean, it doesn't really make any sense. So I wanted to explore further, where, where does that opinion come from exactly? And I wanted to spend a minute on the Nitziv, just as an example, the Sforno says something similar, et cetera, to shed light on what is up with these two opinions in the Gemara. So the Nitziv says, Vayaka melech adash, melech acher mibai, right? It should have said, Vayaka melech acher, a different king, not a new king. So rather, why does it say chadash? Because he had new opinions. And then he continues. He didn't know how to recognize Yosef, who had brought in many good things for that nation. And he worked so hard for the kingdom. And from this, because this, this sort of new king, or not just new king, meaning it's not just, oh, another king came, but actually this new king was different, right? The newness was the difference because he didn't know how to recognize Yosef and all the good he had done. And from that, he says, the king was able to arrive at the place where he begins to suspect the Israelites instead of respect them and embrace them and help them to grow, etc. So that I think is, a, I really like this explanation of the Nitziv because first of all, it makes sense, right? That it's not just, oh, a new king came along, a new guy, um, but really someone who just didn't know how to see the goodness, the history and the goodness of Yosef and what he had done and to appreciate that. And now I just wanted to return back to this Gemara, where it says, where Rav and Shmuel have this disagreement that 
Chadash Mamash, a new king Mamash, versus Mithadshu Xerotav. It's just that he had different decrees now. What is the significance of saying that it's the same king with a different opinion, even when that really logically doesn't make any sense? And I think that this gets to the core of what Egypt is, and especially what the Nazif helps elucidate for us. What are we really saying? We're saying that the Egyptian king, the person in charge of the entire nation, was able to carry with him a legacy of a great man and a great people who did tremendous things for his own nation, for the Egyptians, and then to just forget that, to just say, you know what, we're going to set that aside. We're going to pretend like it didn't happen. The way that Nassib says he didn't know right? how to even recognize this. I think that the Gemara even takes this one step further and saying, no, he sort of willed himself to forget. He said, that's not important anymore. That's not relevant. We're doing things a new way around here. Whatever happened before, it doesn't matter at all. And if you think about it, I think it's really that attitude is at the core of the problem with Egypt and with the downfall of the Egyptians. As I discussed in podcasts previously, once you get to the, I guess, Parashat um, bow, really, with the last of the plagues, the plagues that, that many have argued are designed in a way that they sort of systematically break down the heart of Egyptian society. Breaks down the crops, breaks down the trees, destroys the future potential for any growth, and then literally destroys children. It's a par Paro becomes someone who is so obsessed with not letting God, with not letting Moshe win, that he's willing to literally destroy his people and destroy their entire future. To the point where all the other Egyptians know there is nothing left for us in Egypt. There's no hope, there's no future. Egypt is a nation that is willing to sacrifice what it has and sort of forget its own past in order to get what it wants in the present. And I think that's also very telling when the Saramashkim gets out of prison and Yosef says to him before he leaves, you know, please like, remember me, tell the king something, something, something. And it says, nope, he got out, and he didn't remember and he forgot it completely. Egypt represents the lack of a zikaron, the lack of a memory, the lack of a respect for the past, the lack of an interest in the past, and I think most significantly, a lack of the idea that the past is important, not just to remember the past, but also for how the past informs the present and the future. And this, of course, is an idea that is so central in Judaism. We remember, we bring our memories into our public spaces. We make our holidays about remembering, but we integrate them into how we practice into who we are. Egypt, in many ways, is presented as the antithesis of the Jewish people. And I think that memory is another key way here. What we see with this Vayaka Mel Chadash, Asher Lo Yada Yosef, is a king, whether or not it was the same king or just a new king who decided, you know what, we're going to rewrite history. A total disregard of the past is something that is just in the past and therefore can be forgotten. And in Judaism, our mission is really the opposite. It's to remember the past, Dafka, to take our memories and to keep them alive within us so they can help inform who we are and who we will be. Shabbat Shalom.